Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Arike Okunpawale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time agents! Now, here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. We are 21 and a half hours away from Notre Dame football being back. A brand new season is upon us. All of the conversations since the Gator Bowl last year, through spring practice, through fall workouts, and now here we are. It's time to see what this football team is all about. 2.30 South Bend time kickoff tomorrow right here on WSBT Radio. Your Fighting Irish of Notre Dame taking on the United States Naval Academy midshipmen from Dublin, Ireland. Well, my name is Darren Pritchett. It is great to have you on board as we have one more Budweiser's weekday sports beat before we tee it up tomorrow. We will have a game day sports beat brought to you by Bud Light. Coming up tomorrow, 11 a.m. until 1.30. Right here in our WSBT studios, I will be joined by the publisher and editor of InsideIndieSports.com, Eric Hansen. My other co-host will be live from Dublin. He'll be in the press box at the Notre Dame Navy game. Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated, BlueAndGold.com. So Eric, Tyler, and I, we look forward to having you joining us as we talk all things Notre Dame football on Game Day Sports Beat presented by Bud Light tomorrow morning, 11 a.m. until 1.30 
on Sports Radio 960 WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com, and also on our free WSBT radio app. Now, before our program gets started, don't forget there is the game day show, the interview show, which is going to air from 9 to 11 tomorrow morning. Looking forward to that program on the guest list, former Notre Dame wide receiver Bobby Brown, who played in the 96 Ireland game. Sean Wooden, live from the game, the former Irish defensive back. Dr. Brian Radigan, head orthopedic physician for the Fighting Irish and former player. He's with the team in Dublin. Also, Suzanne Carberry from Dublin, the CCO of Aer Lingus, the title sponsor for tomorrow's game. Those are some of the guests that you will hear right here on WSBT Radio. Tim Grau, Jim Arizari will have that game day show from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. on WSBT Radio. So, from 9 until 1.30, local Notre Dame football coverage here on WSBT Radio. Then we go to the national pregame at 1.30, kickoff at 2.30. Jim comes back with the great Reggie Brooks to tell you all about it on the Notre Dame football postgame show right here on 9.60 a.m. WSBT. I think the rest of the country's jealous of us. We're one of those week zero games. We get to see our teams one week before everybody else. Away we go. The college football season starts when Notre Dame and Navy kick it off there in Dublin. Don't forget, this is a Notre Dame home game that is being played in Dublin, so the Irish will be the home team. Well, we've got plenty to get to tonight. We've got our hat trick of opening topics to get to. All three topics are Notre Dame football related. Our My 5 question of the day tonight the five keys for the Notre Dame defense to have success tomorrow against that Navy offense, which may not be just triple option this year. We'll talk more about that coming up in a little bit. We are very fortunate to have the Dan Patrick Show here on WSBT Radio Live each weekday morning from 9 until noon. And Dan and the Danettes have been broadcasting from Dublin all week. Hopefully you have caught some of that conversation. Will Farrell, the comedian, has been part of the Danettes all week. And earlier this week, Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Swarbrick was a guest in person on the Dan Patrick Show from Dublin. We are going to play back this conversation for you in just a little bit. We've got our Twitter question of the day to get to. We're going to try to pick some conference champions on the eve of the start of the college football season. Sizzler is sizzling. Our sports wagering segment, we are 10-0 this week. We went 4-0 last night. We've never had an undefeated week. We've got four picks coming up at the end of the program, and all four picks surround the Notre Dame-Navy game. Speaking of sports wagering, our Twitter question of the day, you can find that on my Twitter account at 960sportsbeat. Involves Notre Dame Navy and taking a look at this game from a Las Vegas perspective. So log on, and we love to get your vote, and we'll see if the Irish fans can nail the two-team parlay I'm looking for that's going to be correct from tomorrow's game. All right, let's get rolling. One more time to talk about Notre Dame Navy here on Budweiser's weekday sports beat on WSBT Radio. 
in this opening topic, I have no notes. I'm just going to wing this. Like you sitting at the barber shop, at the restaurant, talking about Notre Dame football, you just start having a conversation. That's what I'm going to do with you to kick off the program tonight. And I'm basically calling this my mood less than 24 hours from kickoff. I'll start with this. I got into town to start working at WSBT Radio in December of 1998. And rarely have I entered a season truly excited. I mean excited about the person playing the quarterback position for Notre Dame. Now, I'm not saying they haven't had good players over the last 25 years. But I'm talking about that elite player. And I remember during Brady Quinn's last season, gosh, it's almost been 20 years ago, believe it or not. I recall in this program saying multiple times, soak this in, appreciate it, don't take it for granted. What Brady was doing, you don't see every day. Now, Jimmy Clausen had one really, really good year at Notre Dame. I still think I would take Brady Quinn in a second over Jimmy Clausen, not close. You know, we've had some guys who've had good years. Deshaun Kaiser had one really good year, then came back the next year with a weaker wide receiving core, and it didn't click. Brian Kelly over and over and over and over told us how Ian Book is the all-time winningest quarterback in Notre Dame history. Factually correct, but that record belongs to the football team, not the quarterback. He was a good, solid quarterback. Notre Dame has brought in a guy that is much better than a solid quarterback. I've said it all along. I'm about to find out if I was dead wrong or maybe onto something. But to me, Notre Dame has an elite quarterback. They have a difference maker. And I'll stick by my statement. He's the best quarterback Notre Dame has had since Brady Quinn. And again, I'm not disrespecting Clawson's one really good year. But I think this guy can be a difference maker. He's already a better leader than Clawson ever was. That was a weakness. This guy, in a short amount of time, has got his football team to believe in him. And I think they believe he can do some special things for this football team. Now Sam Hartman has things to prove. He comes from the slow mesh offensive Wake Forest where he put up big numbers. Now he's in more of a pro-style offense with different responsibilities. It's not a guarantee he's going to put up the same numbers he did at Wake Forest. He might be asked to do different things within this Irish offense. But I think he's going to be okay. I think he's going to be better than okay. I'm hoping he's the type of quarterback like Brady Quinn when the defense is having an off day. Maybe the running game isn't clicking. There's a key injury somewhere. We see it in college football a lot. The quarterback can make up for a deficiency on a football team. Brady Quinn is the number one reason why those two Notre Dame teams he engineered to BCS games went to those games. Now, it didn't work out against Ohio State in the Fiesta Bowl because the defense gave up 600 yards, and LSU was very good down at the Sugar Bowl that second year. But Brady put this team on his back and helped them through some tough spots. I think Sam Hartman can do similar things for this football team. I think the running game 
if the offensive guards that are new can blend in quickly, running game can be a major asset. Then you set up the play action. You get the running game going. Teams have to respect it. Then the ball goes over the top. And unlike Drew Pine, who could not throw the deep ball, Hartman is really, really good at that. Defensively, I don't know how good the pass rush is going to be. We're about to find out in three weeks when they take on NC State and maybe a little bit tomorrow against Navy because they're probably going to throw a little more. I don't know if the pass rush is going to be good enough to consistently get to the quarterback. That's where Al Golden comes in. And Al looks at the tape after each practice and says, my gosh, I've got four really, really good corners, including two guys, our All-American candidates, and Benjamin Morrison and Cam Harden. If I can let them defend one-on-one, their receivers, I can go get the quarterback with an extra hat. I think this defense is going to bring the heat from different areas this year because there just isn't that Isaiah Foskey that's going to get to the quarterback. I think Riley Mills from the interior is going to be a pain in the neck for the opposition, but I'm betting Coach Golden's going to have to fire up some blitzes to make sure there is going to be enough pressure on the quarterback. If Notre Dame is as good as we think they are, they win by double digits tomorrow. A lot of things went wrong in the second half last year. Coaching, execution by the players, Navy playing really well. That's unacceptable. That shouldn't happen. What we saw in the first half should have happened in the second half. And I think it will tomorrow in Dublin. That's a lean toward a prediction coming up in terms of the spread here on WSBT Radio. So I'm excited. I'm excited to have a quarterback that could be a massive, massive increase in efficiency at that position. It might take a couple of weeks for it to click. I'm hoping it's tomorrow. He is in a brand new offense, but I have a feeling he is getting pretty well locked in and I'm excited to see what's gonna happen tomorrow. Our second opening topic for tonight's program is a similar storyline focusing on new Fighting Irish quarterback, Sam Hartman. A while back, I talked to Connor O'Neill, who watched every single one of Sam Hartman's games at Wake Forest. Connor is the publisher of Deacon Illustrated. So he knows as much about Sam Hartman as anyone outside of that Wake Forest football team. And I want to play back a little chunk of our conversation to remind you what Notre Dame is getting with their brand-new quarterback, Sam Hartman. And once again, this is Connor O'Neill, who covered Sam at Wake Forest. He is the publisher of Deacon Illustrated. And I asked him about that slow-mesh offense. Is that something that possibly took away from what people think about these players because these numbers that these guys put up may not be indicative how good they actually are. I mean, it all, it's almost like if you put up big numbers at Wake Forest, they don't count in a lot of people's eyes. So here's Connor O'Neill talking about Sam Hartman coming from Wake Forest to Notre Dame. Oops, sorry about that. We got the wrong piece of audio running there. And here we go. My apologies. We'll try again. I think the perception hurts Wake's players on the offensive side of the ball more than the actual system hurts their players when they come out. Um, it's 
it's kind of just you you hear about this slow mesh uh, RPO system that Wake runs, and everybody just thinks, well, every play Wake runs is this slow mesh where the you know the the mesh point is usually a decision point between running back and quarterback that lasts maybe a second for normal teams, and for Wake they elongate that and it lasts two, three, four seconds even. It's it's something else to watch and, and kind of uh, diagnose, but they don't run it. Uh, they don't major in it. it is kind of the football terminology. They don't make it the focal point of their offense. They sometimes don't run it at all against teams like they against Clemson, somebody that is going to blow them up up the middle uh, with a bunch of NFL bound defensive tackles. They don't run it because you can't, you just, you, you don't have that much time. So it's it's really it's kind of it's become it's kind of taken on its own life uh where people just think wake runs this slow mesh offense uh it's 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 almost become the triple option where and and the wishbone where you just think that pro prospects can't come out of that system and it's not true because it's not what they do exclusively um they have plenty of RPOs that look just like everybody else's RPOs and they're, they're pretty successful too. So Connor, in your opinion, could Hartman use the opportunity to play in another system to enhance his pro prospects, let alone having a chance possibly to do something really good at the college level next year? Yeah, I, I think so. And, um, I think there is truth to the fact that the NFL side of things, they want to see Wake's quarterbacks and, and other offensive players in a different system. And, and you can say that without saying they want to see them run uh, non-slow mesh stuff. Um, you know, the, there's a prime example of that who might be one of the best running backs already in the NFL with Kenneth Walker III, uh, spent two years at Wake Forest, and transferred to Michigan State and ran for more yards in his one season at Michigan State than he did in the first two years at Wake and is now really, really good for the Seahawks. Uh, he thrived in the pro-style offense at Michigan State. I think Sam could kind of take on the same. And, and Sam, it's not like he toiled away with, with few touches at Wake. He's the, he's the starting quarterback for the last three years and started most of the games as a freshman. So I think where this where this will get interesting is what Sam looks like in a different offense because we don't know we don't know what that looks like. Um, it's, it's been the same offensive coaches at Wake Forest for all five of his years. It's not like he had to adjust to a new system. So this will be the first time in college that Sam is adjusting to a new system. But you kind of think he's prepared for that. I mean, he he came to Wake Forest and started nine games as a as a 19 year old freshman. Uh, one of those games was against Notre Dame the last time yeah. Wake and Notre Dame played. So, yeah, I, I think he's I think he's prepared for it. I think he's pretty well suited to to, to succeed in this. Um, I I'm uh, I think there's a there's a pretty good avenue for success for Sam in this route. Connor, we've read the numbers on the air of Sam Hartman in his career at Wake Forest: twelve thousand nine hundred passing yards, hundred ten touchdown passes, has the ability to run the football as well. 
just throwing aside all the numbers for a moment, as you've watched Sam Hartman through the years, what do you believe are his strengths that should show up in any system? For for lack of a better term, he's just a tough kid. Um, he's he's taken some beatings. Uh, he's you know the I don't know how well versed uh, people are about his August medical situation, but about a week into fall camp this year, he's going through a, an off day workout, and they realized that his uh, I think it was his left arm looked a little strange, and they eventually find that he's suffering from a blood clot, and <laughs> they have to uh, put him on blood thinners and remove they eventually had to remove his top rib and he missed one game from that and was back playing at Vanderbilt in week two. Um, he's just, uh, you know, he's, he's the, he's the kid that uh, he, the, the 2020 uh, Duke's Mayo ball, he threw four interceptions in the second half to lose a game to Wisconsin. And he comes back the next season and, uh, that's the 50 touchdown season and leads Wake to an 11 win season, and an ACC championship game appearance. Um, he's just he's able to bounce back from a lot of things, and uh, he earned the respect of of just about everybody in Wake's locker room. I I have not talked or I don't know of a single player in Wake's locker room that you know, doesn't come away from being on, on the same team with Sam Hartman with a negative experience. Um, he's, his leadership quality was just off the charts. He was a three-year captain for them. Uh, he'll, he'll bring a lot of intangibles to the table that are, are going to help elevate the guys around him. Connor, I know the one thing that stands out for me, and this has been a weakness of Notre Dame quarterbacks, in particular this year with Drew Pine, the inability to get the football down the field. Now, the Irish wide receivers are not nearly as good as Wake Forest wide receivers, in my opinion, this year. But still, Notre Dame has not been able to push the ball down the field. Isn't it fair to say, Connor, that one of the strengths of Sam Hartman is his ability to throw the deep ball? Absolutely. Um, He throws a great deep ball. It's it's gonna. This is gonna be something that's really interesting to watch. I, I think Sam was told to underthrow deep balls more often than not at Wake. Hmm. Um, of course, you always want to hit your receiver in stride, but if you overthrow a ball, it gets a little harder to draw a pass interference call. But if you underthrow it and your receiver has to try to come back to the ball and gets contacted by a DB, that's more often than not going for defensive pass interference and it's 15 yards and it's first down and I'd have to go back and watch the film but I would estimate they got about six of those calls against Clemson uh in that in the game Mm -hmm. uh the shootout in Winston-Salem this past season so it'll be interesting to see if he's uh able to kind of cut it loose a little more uh not that not that he had reins on him it's just that that aspect of hit receivers in stride on deep balls or underthrow them. Um, but you're right. I mean, that's, that's one of the things that I've kind of been kicking around in my head is um, I, I don't know how disrespectful it would be to your, to your listener group to ask if Wake has better receivers than Notre Dame has. Uh, A.T. Perry is, is yeah. going to go to the NFL. Uh, Donovan Green looks like he's kind of 
in the next spot to, to jump to the NFL. And then uh, Jamal Banks really came on strong this year and had, I think, eight or nine touchdowns. That's Connor O'Neill. A conversation I had earlier this spring. Saw all of Sam's games at Wake Forest. He is the publisher of Deacon Illustrated, offering his perspective on what Notre Dame fans should understand they're getting in their brand-new quarterback, Sam Hartman. Our third and final hat trick of opening topic for tonight's program. We'll go a little Vegas on you, baby. DraftKings Sportsbook has a handful of Notre Dame player prop bets for this game, and you should know that on DraftKings Sportsbook, they are offering a 100% profit boost on one Notre Dame Navy wager. So there's a pretty good incentive to go to DraftKings Sportsbook, give it a shot, you might double your winnings, with a Notre Dame player prop bet as a possibility. So here are five of the player prop bets for Notre Dame, courtesy of DraftKings Sportsbook. Let's start with two Sam Hartman player prop bets. Sam Hartman, one and a half passing touchdowns. No surprise that the over is the favorite. Only minus 205 to bet on Hartman to go over one and a half passing touchdowns. So not a lot of juice there. If Hartman throws under one and a half touchdown passes, it is plus 150. Also at DraftKings Sportsbook, Sam Hartman, 237 and a half passing yards. Over at a buck 15, under at a buck 15. I think this is going to be very, very close. I am leaning toward the over, anticipating Navy once again trying to slow down that Notre Dame rushing attack, which they did so well last year. Remember, Notre Dame averaged 1.9 yards per carry, but they didn't have a quarterback that could scare them. Now the Irish have one. And I think there's going to be enough deep shots that will push that number over 237. I'm not expecting 275, 280, from Sam. That's not my expectation. I think anywhere between 200 and 250 is very, very realistic. So I'm going to take the chance over 237 and a half passing yards for Sam Hartman. Audric estimate 85 and a half rushing yards. That's complicated. Could he get that? Absolutely. We can all picture that. Number one, Notre Dame. Did not rush for 85 and a half yards against Navy last season. Estime has four other really good running backs in his room that Notre Dame could use throughout this ballgame. So will Estime get enough touches to get to 85 and a half? Maybe if he breaks a long one, you don't need to. But with all the options, and I think, again, Navy will try to slow down the running game, I'm going to go under 85 and a half rushing yards for Estime. I think the distribution will be more balanced for Notre Dame in this matchup. If they were playing Ohio State, I would bet Estime would get 70, 75% of the opportunities, wouldn't you think? Because you might have Price or Love in the slot, moving things around, running backs, opportunities to catch passes. But Estime, I would have to think, against an Ohio State would get a majority of the touches. We have Jaden Thomas at DraftKings Sportsbook. 40, I'm, I'm going to correct myself, 53 and a half receiving yards for JT. Over at a buck 10, under at a buck 20. So the under is the favorite. I'm going with the underdog pick. I think he goes just a little over 53 and a half 
receiving yards against Navy because, in my opinion, all things considered, he's the number one option. Doesn't mean the ball goes his way the most. Sam Hartman will read the defense and find the best option. But I'm going to say JT goes over that number in game one. And Chris Tyree is the other option. DraftKings Sportsbook. His receiving yard total, ugh, 34 and a half. I'm going to go slightly over 34 and a half for Chris Tyree. A buck 10 for the over, buck 10 for the under. We'll have four official Sizzler picks coming up at the end of the program. That's our hat trick of opening topics for tonight. 534 is our time. When we come back, we will play back Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Swarbrick's interview on the Dan Patrick Show, heard right here on WSBT Radio weekdays from 9 to noon. They talk Notre Dame football. They talk about the state of college football. And you'll hear from Mr. Swarbrick from Dublin coming up next on your home of the Fighting Irish in tomorrow's Notre Dame Navy contest, which kicks off at 2.30, Sports Radio 960, WSBT. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960. WSBT. Highlight reel won by Williams. Down the sideline, Williams. Chased by Gamble. 20, 10. What a run. Touchdown. Spectacular run. Here's the fake. Meyer looking. Meyer finding the other tight end. Irv Smith touchdown. Five by rocket touchdown. Irish. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. Happy game day eve to everybody. The Irish and the midshipmen tomorrow from Dublin, 2.30 kickoff here on WSBT Radio. Pre-game coverage starts at 9 a.m. Hope you'll join Eric Hansen, Tyler Hork, and I. Three-man crew for game day sports speed brought to you by Bud Light. Tomorrow from 11 a.m. until 1.30, you can hear our pre-game show live on 9.60 a.m., WSBTRadio.com, and on our free WSBT radio app. We are going to have a lot of fun tomorrow previewing the season and the Notre Dame Navy contest from across the pond. Well, across the pond, the Dan Patrick show made the trip for the Notre Dame Navy game. The very popular morning talk show heard right here on WSBT radio, 9 a.m. to noon. Comedian Will Farrell was a part of the broadcast team this week in Dublin so the big USC fan was a part of the Dan Patrick show this week, and Will Farrell was sitting right next to Jack Swarbrick, the Notre Dame athletic director who made an appearance on the Dan Patrick show earlier this week on WSBT Radio. Dan and Mr. Swarbrick talked about a lot of things. Will Farrell jumped in at one point, so give a listen. This is your athletic director, Jack Swarbrick, on the Dan Patrick Show, heard right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. How did this concept come up with Notre Dame playing in, uh, in Dublin? I know that it's happened before, but how did it come up? Well, we, uh, we try very hard to get around the, the world and the country with these games. Um, this happens to be part of the Aer Lingus series, and so it's not technically a Shamrock Series game, but... On average, every other year, we'll be in Lambeau against Wisconsin coming up. We played in Fenway Park, Yankee Stadium. We were in Las Vegas last year, and this is our third time in Ireland. What kind of hurdles do you go through trying to get something like this done where it's out of the country? It's, it's pretty interesting, uh, and, and I'm sure the NFL uh, has 
become much more of an expert than we are at this, but it's, it's a lot of simple things like the drugs that your team doctor normally has at a game, right? You're now, you're bringing into a different country. Yeah. And you've got to have somebody in that country who can help you uh, prescribe those drugs if they're needed. Um, players <laughs> I, pass. I, I've got a guy, Jack, <laughs> if, you, if, uh, if you're having any issues. <laughs> player passports, you know, how many, you know, because not everybody has a passport when they're 18 or 19 years of age. Yeah, that's right. And uh, usually about, we'll find out about a quarter to a third of our team doesn't have a passport. And so you're engaged in that whole process. Also, when we landed, our cab drivers were talking about Gaelic football and that Gaelic football is real football. And maybe that was the uh, uh, precursor to NFL football or college football. But they were talking about how violent it is where you guys get to wear pads and... Uh, they don't. So Gaelic foot. Did Gaelic football precede college football? Um, I assume it did. I was watching a little of it this afternoon, as a matter of fact. Yeah. It's uh, it's a really interesting game. I know nothing about it. Well, I, I was rugby. I, I said, what's the difference between Gaelic football and rugby? And then my cab driver goes, that's a good question. But you didn't know. Yeah, so the, the scrum is missing. I can tell you that. Yeah. There's the, the there's not that. Uh, how would you compare if we're looking at the Cowboys fan base? Is that similar? Duke basketball, Notre Dame football? Is there comparisons that you have with other sports? You know, I think what distinguishes us the most is the number of people who, for a host of reasons, some historical, some faith-based, um, support us that have never been to South Bend, never been to a Notre Dame game. You know, we were in San Diego several years ago, sold the place out. And, you know, those were a lot of people who were Subway alums in the sense that they've just adopted Notre Dame. So I think that's one of the big differences. Uh, can you sum up what's happened with college football in the last, where would you start? Complete disaster. How did, it, how did we get here, Jack? I wish I knew. And, and listen, I'm not, uh, every, everybody in the industry has to take responsibility here. I'm not uh, excluding myself from that. I think... Uh, the decision-making has lost its way in terms of the focus on the student-athlete and what's primarily best for them. Um, but we are where we are, and we have to try and make it work. I mean, we've been pretty uh, vocal in the past month about we need to find a home for Stanford and Cal. That You can't have two of the great academic institutions in the world not have a, not have a place to play. What kind of solution you got? We're working on it. Meaning? Well, there's still consideration of the ACC as a home for those schools. Okay. And Notre Dame is lobbying for Stanford and Cal to join? Very much so. Okay. Yeah. And the Pac-12 dies? It's looking that way more and more every day, yes. But it, it, can I go back and say, this? if we didn't do this or we did do this, that would have changed everything or kept it? I mean, uh, Chip Kelly has talked about, why don't we just have – you know, the football schools play the football schools, and then the other uh, athletic programs don't have to travel to Piscataway or, you know, Syracuse or those kind of things. I mean, that, that seems like obvious that you could be able to still do that and not have the baseball team travel, uh, you know, all across the country. I'm all for more regional scheduling. Yeah. I, I, think, I think it makes a load of sense. It doesn't mean you need to separate out football operationally, right? I think... I think we can all still stay under the same umbrella, um, but I'd, I'd like to see much more regional scheduling. 
Could you see where we're headed towards the NFL model with college football? Let's say you have 50 teams uh, split it up with uh, divisions. Yeah, a little hard to get there because of the conflicting media rights deals and assignment of rights. And so those things don't ever line up on the calendar basis. So a little hard to see how you get there. But it's likely within the next year, uh, either in an action involving USC or a federal case in Pennsylvania, uh, student athletes, uh, football and basketball players will be declared employees. You think that's where we should be headed? I don't. It's, it's not about not supporting them and making sure there are ample benefits available. Um, we were the first school in the country to advocate for name, image, and likeness uh, back, in, back in 2015. But I don't think they need to be employees. We still want them to be part of the student body and, and involved in a lot of the same experiences that the normal student has. But is this based on greed? Or how much is with, with what's going on with and the people in power? Who are making these, you know, the kids are going to be the kids, but you've got grownups who have made decisions that seem like they're just based on money. Yeah, well, they're certainly based on money. There's, there's no question. And uh, some of that is the demands that have arisen over time for, to find more revenue to meet this requirement or this requirement. So I, I'm not terribly comfortable with the description of it as greed, but it is all about money. He's uh, the athletic director at Notre Dame, Jack Swarbrick. Uh, do you have a question for Will, Jack? Will, how do you feel about your new AD? Um, <laughs> Washington, former Washington AD, right? Yeah. Okay. Good poll. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. I think it's a you know it's it's great to have a female AD at USC. Uh, she obviously. Uh, I mean, I can't say that I've studied athletic directors, uh, but it feels like it's a strong move, right? Let, let me, I got a question for you, Jack. <laughs> your, your replacement is Pete Bavacqua? That's right. Any relation to Kurt Bavacqua? <laughs> I don't believe so. Okay. Oh, they're not related? I thought that they were somehow related. I just related. saw that name and thought I didn't... Former baseball player, yeah, right. Kurt, Kurt Bavacqua. Pete, Pete has never shared that with me if they are could related. We, are. Could we Google that and see? I thought, I thought the uh, athletic director, the new one, is, is related to him. Was he a padre, Kurt Bavacqua? He was. Yeah. 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 All right. Maybe we learned something together here, Jack. Perhaps, yeah. Um, when, when you look at these service academies, um, are they going to be able to stay competitive with the uh, other Division I programs moving down the road? I sure hope so, and I think they've got a lot of things going for them. Um, there have been some rule changes in recent years designed to ensure player safety that's made it a little harder to be a triple option team. Um, but they've certainly had some, some recent years of great success between Army and Navy, so that's our hope. Uh, what would you have to hear to join a conference? Um, that we didn't have a media partner, uh, that we didn't have a fair path to the college football playoff. If the NBC media plan was not there, would Notre Dame be in a conference? Yeah, if we didn't have somebody else who was willing to step up, yes. Okay. And would that be the Big Ten? I don't know. I'd, uh, it'd be interesting to have that discussion with with each of the available you conferences. Do you haven't had those discussions before? We've had lots of uh, 
inquiries we've never negotiated or participated. How does that work when there's inquiries? What happens? Um, usually it's a president-to-president call uh, where someone from a conference, a president from a conference, is assigned to call, in okay. this case, Father Jenkins, and say, maybe are you considering a different path? And we say no. And then it gets down to you. Are, are you involved in the, the process after that? Yeah. With the phone call? I yeah. typically am. Yeah. What's the closest Notre Dame's ever come to joining a conference? Um, you know, I don't know that it was particularly close, but if we hadn't been able to find a home for our Olympic sports with the ACC, maintaining football independence would have been problematic. We needed a partner who would, uh, who, who would allow our Olympic sports to participate at the level we want them to. And it, I, I guess it's not as lucrative having your own, you know, TV network, but joining the ACC, you're there with other sports. Uh, you do play some ACC schools, but is that a possibility down the road? Well, all the major conferences are a possibility. Okay. Um, we play hockey in the Big Ten. We have the other Olympic sports in the ACC, and football's independent. What are you going to do when you uh, step down? I don't know. I get a great piece of advice that said, don't agree to do anything for six months. So uh, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to try and follow that, but yeah, I'm, I'm eager to stay involved in the, in the industry. Well, thanks for joining us. And uh, thanks for the contributions to college football. Uh, college football will not be better off without you. That's for sure. Hopefully you stay in the mix there. Can you run the NCAA, Jack? <laughs> Actually, I think they have a great guy right now, Charlie Baker. Okay. I'm not sure you can govern that thing. But if it's governable, he's the, he's the right but, person but to try. Are we going to do away with the NCAA? Should we? You, 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 you can't have an association of 3,000 anything, right? There's just not enough commonality of interest. Yeah. So. Do we need it? We, we, we need some governing entities. As you point out, it could be one someday, which is the 50 most well-known brands. Yeah. Um, but it's tough to govern across so many different models of college athletics. It's just hard. Great to see you. Have fun uh, over the weekend, and uh, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Jack Swerbrick, Notre Dame Athletic Director. Earlier this week on WSBT Radio, the Dan Patrick Show, heard 9 to noon here on WSBT Radio. Really interesting when asked about if the media deal does not happen, then that could send Notre Dame to a conference. Would that mean they'd go to the ACC with their Olympic sports? He said all conferences would be possibilities. So for all the people saying that Notre Dame should save the ACC, not necessarily the ACC would be their first choice. It could be, but they're open to all possibilities. I vote for the Big Ten if you ever get to that point. Interesting what he said. Had the ACC not stepped up and taken the Olympic sports – that it would have been problematic to stay independent. You can listen to Budweiser's weekday sports beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the app store and Google play. Now back to local sports talk on sports beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. Tonight's Budweiser's weekday sports be brought to you by Budweiser for 13 years, Folds of Honor. And Budweiser have provided life-changing scholarships to military families. Join United Beverage in raising a bud to raise funds for Folds of Honor. 
by Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Visit BethelUniversity.edu slash solid ground for details. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at FeedIndiana.org. Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger now with three locations to serve you. Barnaby's the family in. South Bend Orthopedics, trusted in the community for 75 years. Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. And the Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Our Twitter X question of the day from yesterday's program. Of these four choices, what is the most likely storyline from the Notre Dame Navy game? Your four choices were Notre Dame blows out Navy, Notre Dame pulls away in the second half, Notre Dame wins with a strong fourth quarter, Navy pulls the upset. The voting went as followed. Navy pulling off the upset in fourth place at 3.2%. In third place, 8.5% voted for Notre Dame winning due to a strong fourth quarter. Second in the voting, 36.2% Notre Dame pulls away in the second half. But the winner of our vote, a majority, 52.1% says that Notre Dame will blow out Navy. We thank you for your votes, and we'd like you to vote once again right now on my Twitter account at 960Sportsbeat. Today's question, using DraftKings Sportsbook, which of these four parlays do you believe is the correct play on the Notre Dame-Navy game? Here are the four choices. Notre Dame minus 21 plus over 49 total points between the two teams. Choice two, Notre Dame minus 21 under 49 total points for the game. Choice number three, Navy plus 21 and over 49 total points. And finally, Navy plus 21 and under 49 total points. You can vote through about oh, 2 o'clock tomorrow. We'll have the results and we'll see if you're right on Monday's program. We're going to step aside for a moment. We're also going to leave Notre Dame football for one segment. Brendan King, one of the voices of the South Bend Cubs, will join me from Four Winds Field after a sports update here on WSBT. You don't know how to play first base. It's not that hard, Scott. Tell him, watch. It's incredibly hard. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Every time you play one off your hips, you owe me 40 sit-ups on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey, you guys. Don't throw me anything. My girlfriend put a curse on my glove. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. You lollygag the ball around the end. You know what that makes you. Larry. Lollygag. Well, first base can be very easy to play, but as I learned in my days as a minor league broadcaster going to various ballparks, when teams, and they do this a lot, put their backup catcher at first base, sometimes it can be a little more on the interesting side. But if you have Anthony Rizzo or Paul Goldschmidt, first base is really easy. Let's head to Four Winds Field, a couple of blocks away from our studios. One of the voices of the South Bend Cub, Brendan King, is standing by. Cubbies and Cedar Rapids continue their series tonight at 7.05 here on WSBT Radio. BK, how in the world did these guys get through the heat the last couple of days? Oh, man, it was something. We were just talking off the air that Nico Horner played four games in South Bend in 2018, and he just so chose the 
hottest stretch of the summer. It was kind of humid and gross, and that's what the last couple days were like. But happy to report tonight, it's gorgeous. And then going off of what you just said to open this segment, yeah, unless you have a fella named like Tyler Derner or Jared Young over yeah. at first base and you're playing your backup catcher, it's going to be tough. Uh, we have seen that quite often, that you're kind of – Counting your blessings if you got a non-first baseman over there. You mentioned that Nico Horner guy. Whatever happened to him? I don't think we've heard from him since, right? <laughs> ah, he turned out okay. Turned out a big part of the Cubs' comeback last yeah. night in 10 in Pittsburgh. So, yeah, I mean, he is, man, he has just turned into a good, solid ball player. I think all of the outlooks and the aspirations that everybody had for him came true. I mean, he is just really, really good yeah. and definitely can touch that all-star level. But you know exactly what you're getting every day, and if you have a guy like that at the top of the order, you saw it with the Cardinals for many, many years with the likes of Carpenter and others, and um, the Cubs now have that in Nico Horner. Yep, no question about it. Well, BK, I guess the, the Cubs aren't going to make the postseason here in South Bend, but there's still nothing like coming out to Four Winds Field enjoying a ball game, so we have that as fans. And also, an old friend is back. My goodness, it seems like we know this guy way too well. Brennan Davis, the great prospect of, of the Chicago Cubs who has been derailed by injuries the last couple of years but he's back in town once again. Feel bad for him Darren for the injuries but feel great for him because I talked to him yesterday talked to him today he has taken batting practice both days yesterday picked up a base said he's going to DH tonight Darren and bat second but yeah even though injuries have changed the path a little bit you got to remember, he's still just 23. Wow. And when he was at South Bend the first time in 19, part of that championship, he was only 19 years old. And uh, you see more and more prospects, of course, now starting nowadays. You're seeing more 19-year-olds, Darren, at high A than I think you ever have. And I say this all the time on the broadcast. When the Midwest League was low A, it was hard for 19-year-olds then. I couldn't yeah. even imagine it now for a teenager, for the likes of like our catcher, Moises Ballesteros. But... Yeah, excited about Brennan's future. I think if he can just put together some health, he's going to have a great chance to be a star for the Chicago Cubs still. He's still got that power in his bat. The batting practice the last two days has been really hmm. impressive too, so hoping the best for him. You know, Brendan, you think about when Davis was in South Bend originally, he was arguably the premier outfield prospect in the system. That kind of vaulted him on the national scene that year he had in 2019. The injuries have held him back. And you're right, he's only 23, but wow, it's amazing. Since 2019, the number of outfield prospects the Cubs have traded for or have developed, and now all of a sudden there's kind of a logjam, it seems like, of really good talent in the outfield for the future of the Cubs to either have at Wrigley Field or use his trade bait. Such a big log jam that Nelson Velasquez, Darren, as you know, who might have been, what, top five on that list of outfielders mm -hmm. at the time? As you said, he was traded to the Royals for pitching. So, yeah, I mean, Jed Hoyer and his team have done a fabulous job. And remember, it was really Brennan and Cole Roeder as 1A and 1B as mm -hmm. those top two outfield prospects. And Cole is actually having a super underrated year at AA this season. He's finally healthy. He's getting stronger, hitting the ball out of the ballpark much more often. But, yeah, I mean, the guy's like – Peak for Armstrong coming in for Javi Baez and Owen Casey coming in for you, Darvish, and, uh, you know, all the guys drafted along the way. It, it has really turned into quite the busy outfielder. There is buzz amongst people who follow the Cubs, and I'm not talking about the front office. I'm talking about people that cover the team that there might be a point coming up where the Cubs 
could bring up Pete Crow Armstrong from Iowa, who he's just destroying AAA pitching. You know all about his speed and his defense. I guess just as someone who's been around him, know his talents, how close do you think he is to helping this team? And might he be a guy that could be a difference maker as the Cubs try to make the postseason? Personally, Darren, and this is, as, as you like to say, this is BK opinion right here. Yes. I, I don't. I would be surprised about a 2023 call-up. Okay. I'd be surprised about this September. But I had a scout tell me last year in the Four Winsfield press box that if Pete went to the big leagues then, and this is a year ago and a month, that he would win a gold glove in the big leagues. That's how good the defense is. And clearly, the bat has been great too because he's hitting near 300 at AAA. His OPS is near 1,000. So, and... Remember, Nico Horner completely skipped AAA. <laughs> so they sent Pete to triple, and he's hey, producing. So to me, as much as I would be surprised, Darren, for a call-up, would I support it? 100%. When you said a scout talking to you in the press box, something came to mind immediately. 2019, Chris Morrell yes. was not a top 30 prospect in the Cup system, and a scout told me this guy is going to be a starter at the Major League level. And that's before he really got hot in the second half mm -hmm. and became a bigger name. But he said, I guarantee you this kid is going to be a really good Major League player and he's going to be a starter, which reminds us those top 30 prospect lists are fun. They're nice. But I was looking back at some old material at an old Peoria Chiefs lineup that had Nolan Gorman in it and Yvonne Herrera. And the guys hitting fourth and fifth, or actually fifth and sixth, were Lars Newtbar and Brendan wow. Donovan, who wow. are not top 30 prospects. So I guess my point is, even a guy like Christopher Morrell, we saw his talents sometimes they don't all get evaluated properly and never be surprised by someone that develops in the minors that they could become a star despite not being a top 10 prospect, for example. Absolutely. And when we knew Chris here in South Bend, you know, to be fair, he was really a string bean, right? He really had no yeah. meat on the bones yeah. yet, but yeah. he had a lot of power. And remember how hard he threw from third? I mean, he was throwing laser beams cross field. So uh, I think my favorite part about him, Darren, watching him at Wrigley right now, is everything that we saw in South Bend he's doing in Chicago, mm -hmm. but just on a higher profile level. And Cubs fans are falling in love with him. Yep, no question. There is a rumor, BK, that with the Iowa Cubs in Indianapolis, your stomping grounds, that Jordan Wicks is not with the AAA team, that he might be on his way to start for the Chicago Cubs this weekend. Now, we'll see if that is reality, but just in case he starts this weekend, give me your scouting report. What should Cub fans expect from a guy who had some pretty good days here in South Bend? Yeah, so I have read the tweets. I, I cannot confirm anything, obviously, but you know, if that is true, uh, the Cubs are getting an absolute gamer. Of course, he made his professional debut here at the South Bend Cubs in September of 2021, that final home game that year for the Cubs and then he made his final Midwest League start the following summer in Peoria it was a really hot night similar to last night actually where it was muggy and gross and any pitcher is probably going <laughs> to complain about being out there not Jordan Wicks uh, he went out there and he shoved five scoreless innings 10 strikeouts in his final Midwest League start I, I think what steps off the page Darren is the two variations of the breaking ball hmm. because when he got to the Cubs org he had the curveball from Kansas State the Cubs added a slider shortly after he got drafted in the first round 
but that also pairs what probably is his best pitch. His changeup to me is his best pitch, but he pairs that with a mid-90s fastball and two variations of the breaking ball. So it's a great left-handed changeup. It's gotten some comparisons in the past to John Lester just with how big they are and how they come at you. So if I'm a right-handed hitter, uh, I have to watch out for a curveball, slider, and a change away, <laughs> and also maybe for some high heat. He's a dangerous lefty. What do you think about the Cubs' chances to make the postseason? Number two wild card of the National League. There are four teams, though, within at least a half a game of Chicago starting tonight. Yeah, I think one of the first times we did this, Darren, I said the Cubs were going to be a wild card team. You did. I'm sticking to it. I'm sticking to it. I think the division, <laughs> the NL Central, uh, I, that's the wild, wild west to me right now. Just how crazy it is and who's jumping where. Uh, but to me, they've taken care of business, Darren. I mean, they beat the teams that they were supposed to. With all due respect to the Royals and the Tigers, uh, those are wins you got to have. And I remember when I was a kid, I was watching a Cubs-Sox series, and they interviewed Jake Peavy after, and he made the comment about the Cubs. You know, all respect to the Cubs, but you got to beat the teams you need to. Flip side, White Sox are now struggling. Uh, Cubs are playing better ball, and in the Crosstown series, they took three of four. Of course, that magical walk-off home run from Chris Morrell. The Sox were a team that you needed a series win from. You got it. And down the stretch, it's not going to be easy. I know there are some pretty big-time series coming up. I think I read a tweet today of the last 25 games, 15 of them are against fellow playoff teams. So, you know, they got to buckle up because this might be the hardest September yet if you're a Cubs fan trying to get into that playoff picture. And finally, really quick, it's easy yeah. as a fan to point out when GMs make mistakes. And oftentimes when things go well, they make a good pickup. Those don't get the tweets that the players who don't work out you know, you, you see those tweets. You know, Trey Mancini, unfortunately, didn't work out. Love the guy, Notre Dame guy, great story. Glad he's got a chance for the Reds. And a lot of people wrote about that. But you know what? Tockman and Bellinger have made this team so much better. Bellinger, I wanted him for my team, but unfortunately, they didn't go that way. But even Tockman, that's a guy you wouldn't have guessed in a million years that would be a key part of this lineup, and he has been terrific for this team. He's been outstanding, and, you know, Jamer Candelario, since he came over yes. the trade, yeah, you paid a lot for him. You gave up DJ Hers, and I was reading DJ in three Ooh, starts yeah. with the Nationals. You see that tweet? Yes. Goodness gracious, he's been outstanding. But, hey, I think we talked about this, that if you're going to buy something, you got to pay for it, and the Cubs did with Hers and Mate, but you got a nice piece in return in Candelario, and he's been a – Really, really solid asset to this lineup, no doubt. Where's Brennan Davis hitting the lineup tonight? He's going to bat second, Darren, and DH. He played left last night, and again, coming back from that core muscle problem, uh, couldn't have couldn't told if he had issues or not. He looked awesome, and uh, he made a diving play as well. So good to see him back out there and left. You'll hear Brendan coming up in just about oh, 25 minutes. Pre-game coverage of the South Bend Cubs and Cedar Rapids from Four Winds Field. BK, appreciate the time. Enjoy your evening at the ballpark, and we'll catch up again soon. Thanks, Darren. Stay cool. I will try. You as well. <laughs> Brendan King, one of the voices of the South Bend Cubs. Again, you'll hear him in about 25 minutes here on WSBT Radio. What are the five keys for the Notre Dame defense to have success against Navy tomorrow? I'll try to provide some answers coming up next as Sportsbeat continues on your home of the Fighting Irish in tomorrow's Notre Dame Navy game, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Notre Dame football coverage continues now. Gives to Estime. He leaps at the one and goes over the stripe. Touchdown, Notre Dame. 
Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Hartman keeps it, runs it up the middle, bulldozing to the end zone, and he's in. On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Low snap, hands off inside to estimate 10 5. He'll get there. Touchdown, Notre Dame. It is 626 on your home of the Fighting Irish. Sports Radio 960 WSBT, good evening to you. Welcome back to the program. Darren Pritchett with you. We've got a lot of things happening tonight on our Midwest Family South Bend broadcast stations right here on WSBT Radio. If you heard our last segment, you know the South Bend Cubs starting to finish things up for the year. They're not going to be a postseason team this year, but they are taking on Cedar Rapids tonight. At Four Winds Field, hear the game on WSBT Radio, 645 pregame, 705 first pitch. Over on 96.1, the ton. We stopped boot scooting for a little bit to bring you Mishawaka Caveman football. And it is great that one team has decided to play this series once again. The backyard brawl is back on after two years of it going away. It is Mishawaka at Penn, kickoff at 7 o'clock from Penn High School. It sounds like it is going to be a massive crowd, which makes it even more ridiculous that some adults stopped this series for a couple of years. It's shameful, but you know what? There's going to be a lot of players, coaches, and fans that are going to have great memories from tonight that were lost the last couple of years, and I'm just thankful that these two teams are back playing. It is wonderful to see, and It is going to be a lot of fun out at Penn High School tonight. Both teams ranked in the state. The Kingsmen coming off a very impressive win at Valparaiso last Friday. Mishawaka cruised by Mishawaka Marion at Steel Stadium. And now the two rivals come together tonight for a little football action from Penn High School. I know the gates open at 5 o'clock tonight, so that tells you for a 7 o'clock high school football game, it's not going to be your normal crowd And that is just awesome for the players involved to play in that type of an environment. So those are the two things happening tonight. And as we've been talking about, we've got plenty of pregame coverage for Notre Dame football coming up tomorrow, 9 a.m. Jim Arizari, Tim Growl with our game day interview show featuring former Notre Dame players Bobby Brown and Sean Wooden, Suzanne Carberry from Dublin, the CCO of Air Lingus, the title sponsor of the game. Dr. Brian Radigan, head orthopedic physician for the Irish, a former player with the team in Dublin. All guests live tomorrow between 9 and 11 a.m. here on WSBT Radio. It'll be myself, Eric Hansen, the publisher of InsideIndieSports.com, and Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated. We will come together for Game Day Sports Beat, presented by Bud Light tomorrow from 11 a.m. until 1.30. Eric and I will be in studio. Tyler is across the pond covering the game in person. And we're going to have some fun just talking good old-fashioned Notre Dame football tomorrow morning and into the early afternoon hours, 11 until 1.30, here on WSBT Radio. And once again, the game will kick off at 2.30. Paul Burmeister, Ryan Harris on the call on the Notre Dame Radio Network. And our coverage wraps up with the official Notre Dame football postgame show. Jim Arizari and the great Reggie Brooks will tell you all about it right after the game here on WSBT Radio. One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 
Today's My Five, the five keys for the Notre Dame defense to have success tomorrow against the United States Naval Academy offense. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. We'll begin with Notre Dame containing the Navy quarterback, and we're not sure who it's going to be. It might be one player. It might be two players. It might be three quarterbacks playing in this game. Apparently, Navy wants to throw it a little more, but they just, it doesn't appear to have that guy on the roster right now, so it might be quarterback by committee. The main two guys you'll likely see tomorrow, the veteran Ty Levitai, who got injured before the Notre Dame game last year and did not play, and a newcomer has never taken a snap in a college game, Blake Horvath. Can they run the offense efficiently? How well can they throw the football? We know Levitai is not the greatest at throwing the football, Horvath. We just don't know. But if, in fact, Navy wants to throw it a little more this year, how well will these two individuals throw the pigskin against a very good Notre Dame defense highlighted by, hey, if they want to put four corners out there, which they won't against Navy more than likely, unless Navy goes with four wide receivers, hey, Notre Dame's got the corners to, I think, defend a lot of the best receivers in the country. Of course, that'll be put to the test in a couple of weeks when Ohio State comes to town. This is an obvious one, but you have to mention it. It is early in the season. And with a lot of the limitations on hitting, not wanting to get guys banged up, sometimes tackling is iffy early in the year. And now you're taking on a team known for its triple option with a new offensive coordinator. They may do some different things, but still, you've got to tackle well in this game. It's hard enough to get Navy off the field. Don't give them help by allowing them to break tackles. Because as we know, they can eat up half the game with their rushing attack. And this year, again, with a running clock after first downs are converted, Clock doesn't stop anymore. That means more time coming off the clock. So it is so important to tackle well in this game. Okay, okay. Uh, Number three. The five keys for the Notre Dame defense to have success against Navy tomorrow. Number three, again, we can say this every year when we have this conversation with Navy as the opponent, be assignment correct. Do your job is a classic cliche that all coaches use, but you know what? It's the case. When you face triple option, read your keys. Hopefully the defensive tackles can gobble up that fullback dive. Linebackers have a tough job of reading. Again, maybe not all triple option tomorrow, so there could be some other keys that the Irish defenders will have to focus in on in an offense that could be more like Kennesaw State that's where their coordinator came from than what we saw traditionally from the Navy offense. Number two. But if we are going to see some triple option, as always, we got to mention this. You got to stop the fullback. Brian Kelly, one year, his coaching staff did not have a defensive lineman over the center, and the fullback is still running. He had about 6,000 yards in that game. Stop the fullback. What we've always heard about, triple option attacks, fullback dive sets up the rest of their offense. Riley Mills is one of the individuals in the middle of that defensive line can blow up that play. Dama Fofana, 133 rushing yards against Notre Dame last year, 819 yards last season. 
Really good carry of the football. Don't let him have another big day running the football, whether it's in triple option, more of an option spread, whatever the case may be. Let's don't allow him to be a star in this ballgame. And let's see if Levitai, Horvath, or whomever can throw the football in this contest. Number one. And the number one key for the Notre Dame defense is quick adjustments. Grant Chestnut is the new Navy offensive coordinator. He comes from Kennesaw State. As I've touched on during this segment, there is an expectation that the triple option attack Navy is known for could be tweaked this year. They could run the football out of different formations. I'm sure Notre Dame has spent a ton of time reviewing Chestnut's offense at Kennesaw State. Again, sort of a spread option attack. So Notre Dame's got a plan coming into this game. I'm sure they have a couple of plans, just wondering what exactly the offense is going to look like. If they're going to be triple option, they're ready. If it's going to be more like Kennesaw State, they're going to be ready for that as well. But there are going to have to be some adjustments, more than likely, early in the game as Notre Dame, the one negative of playing Navy the first game with a new coordinator, new head coach, you're just not exactly sure what it's going to look like. But I still think the coaches would agree, play Navy the first game. They're such an oddball in preparing for an opponent. Get it done with part of the offseason to help you, and then you get ready for the rest of your schedule. But there will be some, I guess, peekaboo between the Navy offensive coaches and the Notre Dame defensive coaches. Once the Irish see what Navy is doing, I'm sure adjustments will be made, and hopefully this Irish defense can shut down the midshipmen, kind of like the Irish did in the first half last year. Second half, we won't talk about that any further. That was not good. So five keys for the Notre Dame defense to have success against the Navy offense. Let's see how well Levitai Horvath or whomever can throw the football, tackle well, assignment correct, Stop the fullback if they come out in some triple option and make quick adjustments to whatever Chestnut is going to run as the new midshipman offensive coordinator. And those are your five keys. I'm as curious to what Hartman's going to look like, but equally as curious what Navy is going to look like. If they're more like Kennesaw State, I think that's good for Notre Dame, actually. Triple option is just a pain in the neck. Boy, focus, reads, assignments, so important. Of course, you have assignments no matter what offense you run, but triple option is just a whole different animal. All right, it is 636 on your home of the Fighting Irish. Sports wagering next. I'm 10-0 this week on picks, so maybe you should fade me. I've got four Notre Dame picks to go for tomorrow's ball game. We'll see how well we do. Don't hold your breath. We'll have some sports wagering talk to wrap up the show next on WSBT. Hey, everyone. Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 